This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, November 6, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. Fans of at least the promise of Obamacare, less expensive, more secure health care options, should also be fans of handing the bulk of the control of health care dollars to the individuals who will consume that health care. Michael Cannon details how the elegant, intuitive solution works in his new book, Recovery, A Guide to Reforming the U.S. Health Sector. We spoke last week. In the run-up to the passage of the Affordable Care Act, what were the big ticket promises that Barack Obama and others made on behalf of that act in order to improve American health care? A lot of those promises are right there in the title. The official title of the law is the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act. They were promising to protect patients from insurance company practices that a lot of people don't like. They were promising to protect uh, patients from unaffordable medical bills, uh, making healthcare more affordable, all with the goal of making healthcare universal. And, you know, you have a series of proposals laid out in your new book, Recovery, that you say fans of those promises that the Affordable Care Act made should love. What are they? They fall under two headings, but even those two headings. A flow from the basic principle that you have rights when it comes to your healthcare. The most important right you have when it comes to your healthcare is the right to make your own health decisions. And that means you should be able to control your healthcare dollars and you should be able to control how you spend them and all the health decisions that follow. Unfortunately, patients, consumers in the United States don't have that freedom. They don't have that level of control. And so in the book, I propose a series of reforms that would give them control over their healthcare dollars and their healthcare decisions, because that is the way to deliver on the promise of the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act. That is the way to make healthcare more universal. So here we are many years, a decade after the passage of the Affordable Care Act. How well has have those promises been kept? Not very well at all. If you look at the prices for health insurance, they have been rising even faster since the Affordable the so-called Affordable Care Act. I refer to it as Obamacare because the courts and the executive branch have, have reformed, uh, changed its, uh, amended it so many times without Congress's involvement that it really doesn't bear much resemblance to the Affordable Care Act anymore. But health insurance premiums are rising dramatically to the point where uh, people who could previously afford health insurance now cannot. Economic research shows that the law is not protecting patients. It hasn't ended insurance company discrimination against. Uh, people with expensive medical conditions, it has just forced insurance companies to en engage in what economists call backdoor discrimination but by making coverage worse for people with expensive illnesses to the point where, and this is uh, here I'm quoting a, a, an economist in the Biden administration, not even healthy people can get adequate insurance under Obamacare plans. So it, it hasn't lived up to its promise. It hasn't delivered either patient protection or affordable care, and it has not made healthcare universal. There are still gaping gaps in our health sector through which lots of patients are falling. And I think it's all because the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act did not take seriously people's rights to make their own health care decisions and the right to control their health care dollars. Okay. So to the extent that that these are 
you know, they ought to be universal values. The idea that we are ultimately responsible for our own health and uh, from that uh, flows certain decision rights that we get to own, the, making those healthcare decisions and controlling those dollars. What, how, how do we make real that fundamental shift in healthcare? Most Americans don't control a lot of their healthcare decisions. And uh, most Americans, at least uh, Americans who receive their coverage through an employer, don't control directly their healthcare dollars. So in the United States, as in other countries, the pursuit of universal health care has turned into a pursuit of universal health insurance coverage, where the government tries to guarantee access to health care for everyone by guaranteeing that everyone has health insurance. Health insurance is incredibly valuable. I have it. I buy it for my family. It, I want it to protect us from financial destitution if, God forbid, one or more of us should need very expensive medical care. Health insurance is a marvel. I write about it in, in my latest book, Recovery, that, that voluntary health insurance markets are a marvel because they channel the self-interest of individuals into an incredibly compassionate outcome, which is paying the medical bills of complete strangers. Health insurance, though, is valuable only up to a point. Beyond a certain point, the costs of health insurance begin to exceed the benefits and government has spent so much time in the United States trying to expand health insurance coverage, both giving it to people who would not otherwise have it, expanding the range of services it covers, and insulating patients from the cost of their care more and more, that we've reached a point or we've gone beyond the point where health insurance is beneficial and into the realm of where health insurance hurts more than it helps. And I provide evidence from a series of experiments that employers have conducted that have shown that giving people less health insurance actually makes health care more universal. So what these employers did was they realized they looked at a, a wide range of services and said, you know what? The prices for these services are too high. We know they're too high, uh, but we can't seem to negotiate these prices down because the hospitals that provide them are... They either have market power or they're out, out, outright monopolists uh, because there's no other hospital in the area. And so we're, they've really got us over a barrel. They noticed that the example I like to use is hip and knee replacements. Some hospitals are charging $12,000 for hip and knee replacements. That was in California and elsewhere in the state. Hospitals are charging $60,000. And there is no difference in quality that the employers could find. It's, it was just an exercise of market power is how those hospitals were able to charge $60,000 while others were just charging twelve. But as I said, they couldn't negotiate those prices down. So here's what they did. They said to their enrollees, we'll pay $30,000 and you can go get your hip or knee replacement from any hospital you like, but all we're paying is $30,000 and you're going to be on the hook for anything above that. Well, when the employers, when they made their workers price sensitive in this way, those hip and knee replacement candidates began demanding price information from hospitals. They got price information from hospitals and they began changing their behavior based on that price information. And they switched about one out of every six patients switched from high, a high price hospital to a low price hospital, which then affected the behavior of the hospitals. Hospitals began lowering their prices for hip and knee replacements on average by 20% over a two-year period, but among the highest price hospitals, the highest 
priced 50% of hospitals, they reduced their prices by 37% over just, uh, in just a two-year period. That's a $16,000 reduction per procedure. And the same sort of thing happened for when, when employers did this with MRIs and CT scans, knee and shoulder, arthroscopy, cataract surgery, colonoscopies, lab tests. When they made the patient price sensitive, patients began shopping around based on price and they got producers to lower their prices. Now, a couple things about this. If what you care about is making healthcare more universal, then reducing prices should be job one. It should be your obsession because when you have falling prices for medical services, that means that more people, uh, healthcare becomes more universal in three ways. More people can afford the medical care that they need without assistance. So it becomes, in, healthcare comes to, within reach of more people, who, people who couldn't previously afford it. The population of people who cannot provide for themselves becomes smaller and easier for us to uh, provide them medical care because it's a smaller group and prices are lower. And we all have more money lying around because we are saving money on medical care ourselves. So like I say, if you care about universal health care, falling prices should be your obsession. And it's important to note how these experiments were able to reduce prices for these services. It was by giving people less insurance. Prior to these experiments, the health insurance plans that were conducting them just paid those hospitals $60,000 per hip and knee replacement because they couldn't get the prices down. They saw this as their only option. But when they took away insurance for the uh, cost of hip and knee replacements above $30,000, that left the enrollees with less coverage. Less coverage meant more out-of-pocket exposure, and it was that out-of-pocket exposure and the price sensitivity that came with it that changed the behavior of the enrollees, the patients, and changed the behavior of the producers, the hospitals and other healthcare providers, to the point where some hospitals went to insurance companies and said, look, we, we know we have these negotiated prices with you in the contracts. We want to reopen the contracts to lower our prices because we are getting killed on, on market share. So again, if what you want is to make healthcare more universal, then you do not want universal health insurance coverage that pays for absolutely everything. Because both in the private sector and in the government sector, when you have government health insurance, you get this effect where prices rise because the consumer is not price sensitive and third-party payers are just not very good at negotiating prices down. If you want healthcare to be more universal, you need to harness the power of consumers' price sensitivity to get those prices down, which means not using health insurance or not pushing health insurance beyond that point where the costs begin to exceed the benefits. This is a conversation you and I had before when we talked about your book earlier, which is the discussions that people have with their healthcare providers, with their physicians, with even the front office staff at a doctor's office are just fundamentally different than the kinds of conversations that we have in almost every other area of our lives. And one key difference is how those things get paid for. The reason your doctor doesn't know the price of any of the services he provides is because most of his patients have too much health insurance. The government encourages them to have too much health insurance through the tax code by effectively penalizing you for every dollar of income that you don't spend 
on more health insurance. The government encourages excessive health insurance through the Medicare program, through the Medicaid program, through the CHIP program, through other so all sorts of regulations, Obamacare and so forth. And when you encourage people to purchase more health insurance than is efficient, you know, beyond the point where uh, the costs begin to exceed the benefits, one of the things that happens is your doctor, uh, as well as hospitals and all other providers, get so much of their income from these third-party payers that we call insurance companies, or the government for that matter, that their price structure becomes a game of negotiating with insurance companies to get as low a price as they can, well, uh, or as high a price as they can out of each and every insurance company. And the patient is almost an afterthought because the patient controls so little of their revenue that healthcare providers aren't competing to provide competitive and transparent prices to patients. There are some corners of the health sector where providers are trying to do that, like retail clinics and direct primary care practices and the surgery center of Oklahoma that doesn't take health insurance. But it, it's because those folks are, are trying to appeal to patients who aren't paying through health insurance that they're able to do this. The fact that most healthcare providers get most the uh, not only most of their income, but too much of their income from insurance is why the entire patient experience does not revolve around what you, the patient, need. It revolves around what the doctors, what the hospitals, what the uh, insurance companies and other payers need. Michael Cannon is author of Recovery, A Guide to Reforming the U.S. Health Sector. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please. And thank you for listening. <laughs>